0: If you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28, Genesis 28, we're going to look at a pair of twins today. Is there any of you guys who are twins? Anybody? I didn't know if maybe we would have twins in here. No, I met I met a pair of teen twins this morning, um, so I, th- I thought that was pretty neat. So we're going to be talking about Jacob and Esau, if you haven't figured it out yet. And Jacob and Esau were brothers who... You know, they didn't really like each other all the time. You know, I have a brother and, you know, there's times where we don't, we don't really get along. But Jacob and Esau, they really, really had some issues and really didn't like each other. Their parents played favorites with them. Isaac's favorite son was Esau because he would bring him venison and he liked the way that, that Esau cooked the venison. Um, Rebecca's favorite, favorite son was Jacob because Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. You know, he stayed inside in the house and he, he helped around the house. So, of course, she liked him more. And Esau ends up selling his birthright to Jacob. You remember, he's out hunting. He comes back. He says, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. And Jacob's making some pottage. And he says, all right, well, I'll sell it to you for your birthright. And we see in Genesis chapter 25, it it says, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So there's obviously some tension between these two. You know, Jacob took advantage of him when he was in a, in a weak point. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll sell you this pottage for your birthright. And Esau, he took it. He, he, he ate the bait. And eventually Isaac is getting old. Isaac is getting old. It says that his, his vision is starting to leave him. And so it's time for him to give the blessing to his oldest son. So Isaac tells Esau to go and get some venison, which he really likes the way he makes it. Go and cook me some venison, come back, and I'll give you the blessing. So Rebecca hears this, and she tells Jacob about it. She says, we can change this, though. We can come up with a plan. Go get two goats, bring them to me, we'll kill the goats, we'll put the skin on your arms, so that way you feel hairy, because Esau was a hairy man. You put on his clothes, I'll make the, the, the pottage, the venison that he really likes, and we'll give it to you, and you can fool him. And so he did Jacob deceives Isaac. He says he's the firstborn. He says, is this my son Esau? And Jacob says, I am. It's me. It's your son Esau. He deceives him. Isaac felt and smelt him, and he felt like he was hairy and smelled like he was Esau, and so he believed it and gave him, gave Jacob, the wrong son, the blessing. Soon after that, Esau shows up with the venison. He got back from his hunting trip, a hunting trip. He prepares it, comes to his dad and says, look, I'm here. I'm ready for, the Venice, or ready for the blessing. And he says, who is this? He says, it's your son Esau. No, it's not. I already gave him the blessing. No, you didn't. And Esau begins to realize what's going on. And so he begs for a blessing. Come on, dad. You have to have something for me. There's got to be some kind of blessing for me. And so Isaac does the best that he can. Genesis 27, 41 says, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. So here's Esau. He's very, very mad. And he said, my dad probably is not going to live much longer. When he dies, when the days of his mourning are over, I'm killing Jacob. That's it. That was the final straw. He already took my birthright. Now he took my blessing. I'm killing him they had a hard time they were they, they were they did not get along so rebecca heard esau say this and he knew that she needed to warn jacob she knew that she needed to do it so she tells jacob she's like look esau is going to kill you you're a mama's boy he's an outdoorsman he goes out and hunts all the time it's going to be nothing for him to take a bow and arrow and shoot you you better get out of get out of town because he's coming after you it's going to be coming quick so she tells Jacob to go see her brother Laban. Jacob's parents didn't want him to marry the Canaanite women. So they send him to Laban so he could find some women to marry there. So they send him. He's on his way. He's going through Padan Aram. And this brings us to our passage in, in chapter 28. If you will look with me in verse 10, that's where we'll start. And we'll read all the way down through verse 22. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee, until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. And said, how dreadful is this place? This is none but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace then shall the lord be my god and this stone which i have set for a pillar shall be god's house and of all that thou shalt give me i will surely give the tenth unto thee i believe there are 3 principles that we can learn from this story from the story of jacob's ladder dream principle number 1 god keeps his promises part of the blessing that that isaac gave to jacob thinking it was esau was the abrahamic covenant the promise that, that he was going to fill the land with his people God reaffirms the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob. He gives it to him again. And God promises that he is with him and will keep him. Keep in this passage means to protect and preserve. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to keep you. You'll be protected. You'll be preserved. Your descendants will not just die off. So God's going to keep his promise. My question to you, was Jacob living a right life at that time? Was he being godly? He had deceived Esau and then deceived his own father and cheated his way to the top pretty much. He, he was not doing what was right, but God's promises were still standing. So, what has God promised us is the question. I think of a few promises that God has given us. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 and 31. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God promises to give strength to those that wait upon him. That's a promise from God. When we're weary, when we're tired, if we wait on him, wait means to eagerly look or seek. If we're trusting in God and we're like, God, I need the help. I'm going to seek you until I find you so that you will give me strength. God promises that he will. I think of 1 John 1, 1.9, I'm so thankful for this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God promises to forgive us of our sins when we confess them to him. That's a promise to God. It doesn't matter how, how our lives are, they should be, we should be living godly. But if we're not, I mean, Jacob wasn't. God kept his promise and he will for us too. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal the land. The generation, the culture that we live in, is pretty crazy sometimes. It's it's awful at times. And we all we always talk about like it's so bad, the culture we live in, it's awful, it's so sinful. It is. It really is. But we have the solution. He's given it to us right here. It's a promise from God. If my people, which are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We know know what to do. We have the formula to fix it. We just haven't been doing it. God keeps his promises and we can trust on them with our whole heart. If you truly believe the promise of God, You'll act on it. If I, if I believe that these promises are true, why would I not act on them? If, if God has promises to me, why, why wouldn't I? It's like somebody saying, hey, if you, if you go to uh, this store on this day, you'll get a million dollars on me. I promise. Why would I have any reason not to? Even if, even if he's like, I, I, no, I'm not actually going to give it to you. It's just going to a store. I mean, something as simple as that. It's a promise that somebody could make to you. But God does the same thing. He promises these things and we don't act on them. The first principle to be learned from this passage is that God keeps his promises. The second principle to be learned is that God is always present. Verses 16 and 17 say, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He was right on sensing God's presence there, but he was wrong to think that, the God was, that God was only in that place. So the Lord is in this place, surely. God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Jacob was acknowledging God's presence in that place. You know, David knew this. In Psalm 139, verse 7, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You know, a lot of times people use that passage and they, they say, you know, like if, if, if they're talking about something that you do like a private sin, and they're like, hey, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And it's always used in a condemning sense. I, I like to think of it as a positive sense also. When you choose to do right, when nobody is going to see it, nobody will ever know that you did what was right, God saw it. He saw the evil, but he also saw the good. He sees what you do. I remember when I was uh, early teens, even into my later teenage years, my dad would always tell me whenever I was going over to a friend's house or something or going to a birthday party, school activity, camp, whatever, my dad would always say, he would would say, hey Bryce, remember whose son you are. And that would stick with me. If ever I was going to do something bad, it was, hey, remember whose son you are. Because it, it wasn't just that I was that I was going to hurt my own reputation, I was a mirror of my father's reputation also. What I did reflected upon my parents and how I honored them, how I obeyed them. It it was a reflection of them. And we carry our father's reputation, our heavenly father's reputation. People know that you're a Christian. They see what you do. So keep in mind whose son you are, whose daughter you are. Because God is our father, right? So we should be giving a good reputation to God. He sees the bad and the good. We should always be conscious of God's presence. Jacob will never forget this encounter. He says that he was afraid and the place was dreadful to him. Dreadful means he's afraid because of how important it is. Matthew Henry says, The appearance of God in this place is never to be thought of, but with a holy awe and reverence. He could never think of this place again without thinking, this was amazing. God was there. He was there, and I knew it not, is what he says. You know, uh, last year, at the end of last year, I got an email at school, and it said, email from President Troy Shoemaker, which is the president of the college, the college that I go to, like the head, the head of the head honchos there. And it says, um, Mr. Shoemaker, Dr. Shoemaker would like to have a meeting with you at this time on this day. That was all it said. Can you, can you attend, yes or no? It didn't say if it was going to be just me. It didn't say if it was going to be a big group of people. I had no idea what it was going to be. I had suspicions, but I had no clue. And so I was like, yes, I can go. I can make it. And man, it was a little bit dreadful to me. Not because I was scared of like, oh, no, I did something wrong. I was scared because he's the big guy on campus. He's He's the man. He's the president of the whole college. And I got an email requesting a meeting with me. So yeah, I was a little bit dreadful of it because it was so important, I was a little bit afraid. It turns out it was a meeting with a bunch of other people, so I didn't really have much to worry about. But I think that's kind of how Jacob was feeling. Not quite to, my situation wasn't to the extent of his, nowhere near, but I can kind of relate there. So we know that the Lord is in every place and we have assurance of that. You need to live your life with that knowledge inside of you. God is always there. He is always available to help us when we need him. He's our refuge and our strength and a very present help in our time of need. God keeps his promises and God is always present. The third principle we can learn from this passage is God's promises to us should be followed by our promises back to God. Things for Jacob changed that day and he was not going to forget it. It was something in his life that was a a life-changing experience. He was never going to forget this. He was reminded of God's promises, and he realized God's presence. So he acted on it. The first thing he did is he changed the name. Luz means almond tree. It says that it was named Luz at the first. And Bethel means house of God. Let's go ahead and read those verses, verses 18 through 22. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. He made an altar. He wasn't going to forget about it. He made an altar, and so every time that he would, he would see that, go through Bethel, he would see and go, ah, I remember what God did to me that day. I remember this crazy dream with the ladder and angels ascending and descending on it, and God was in that place, and I didn't even know it. That should remind me that God is keeping his promises, that God is always present with me. If, in this passage, verse, in verse 20, and Jacob vowed a if could be translated since or because. So because God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house because he's going to do all these things, then shall the Lord be my God. It was a life-changing experience for him. His commitment became actions. He immediately committed to give a tithe back to God. So the question is, okay, yeah, he did that. How do how do we do that today? God gives us these promises and everything, but how how exactly do we promise back to God? Well, let's look at the promises that I gave to you earlier, Isaiah forty twenty nine through thirty one. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So what's the promise to that? It could be, God, when I am weak and tired, I'm going to fervently seek you because you promise that you will give me strength. And I know that you will. That's, that's kind of what Jacob did. God made a promise to him, so he said, okay, I'm going to promise something back to you. I'm going to act on your promise, on the fact that I know that you are present with me. First John 1 John nine. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I will confess my sins to you because you are faithful and just to forgive them. Why wouldn't I? If he's going to forgive me of them, why would I not confess them to him? They're just, they're just these promises that, that we read them and we're like, oh, that's great. Why not promise it back to God? And it's not hard. It's, it's, it's almost like you're simply rewording the verse to him like god you said you would do this so please do it we need to make these promises back to god second chronicles 7:14 if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land god our land needs healing so i'm going to humble myself i'm going to pray and i'm going to seek you it's simple as that Simple as that, but we have to actually do it. We have to promise, okay, God, I'm gonna humble myself. Each and every day, will you help me to be humble? Help me to, to have a consistent prayer life. Help me to seek you diligently and to grow in my relationship with you so that you will heal our land because you made that promise to me. Instead of just complaining about how bad it is and talking about how awful it is, why don't we pray about it and seek God and humble ourselves because that's when he promised us that he will heal the land. God keeps his promises, so we need to keep our promises that we make back to him. Don't make one if you if you don't mean it. Make it and stick to it and remind yourself of it daily. Write it down. Do something so that you see it and you remember that you made that promise back to God because he promised you something. You know that God promises you things. So what have you promised to God? Have you committed to serve God with your life? make changes in order to help you keep the promises that you make, just like Jacob did here. He changed the name, so anytime you would go back, it's not Luz, it's Bethel. And it's called Bethel because of what God did there. Oh, there's that altar there because I slept on a rock and I made it an altar because of what happened there. Now everything that I get, I give a tenth back to God because of this life-changing experience, because when God came to me, I realized his presence and he made me a promise and I made one back to him. God has promised us so much. What will you promise back to God? We've looked at three principles from this passage. Number one, God keeps his promises. Number two, God is always present. And number three, God's promises to us should be followed by our promises back to him. You can trust God's promises and know that he is always there fulfilling them. And he wants you to make promises back to him. So what are you going to promise to God?